to I Spit on Your Grades, the Pride Edition. Ah. In case you've uh, can't tell, it's me, Mercer, uh, as always, joined by my beautiful, beautiful, beautiful co-host, Faye Ellis. Good evening, you cool cats and kittens. <laughs> and a equally seductive husband, Chris Ellis. Alright. So yeah, Pride. We know Pride Month's kind of coming to an end, but it kind of runs for quite a few months. And, and Pride shouldn't be about, like, one period of time. It should be forever, I think. Forever in your so, heart. Forever for everyone. Um, and, you know, we're going to... What we're going to do today, we're going to examine some LGBTQIA plus films. Mm-hmm. And um, we're going to discuss the fabulous Soho Pride Edition Festival. Um, which happened on a day last week. Last week was it just last week? Yeah, you're correct, fair. <laughs> I got all my dates wrong. I'm sorry. It was last weekend. Time moves weirdly in the world of lockdown. Yes, mm. yes. In the in the world in the world of not really locked down anymore. Should but still be of. locked down. Anyway. Let's not digress. Let's get on with it. Let's talk about Soho, the Soho Pride Edition. Woo! Mm. Woo! What was the first film? The first film was Fear of Looking Up. Yeah. From Constanti, I'm going to try to pronounce this again. Constantinos Kusolokas. That's probably the best pronunciation you're going to get. You did not butcher that at all. That was amazing. I don't want to go straight with a negative. The sound. It was weird. It threw me off. And I I have to be honest, it wasn't my favourite. But in looking, in looking for a positive in everything, the cinematography was absolutely amazing. But the sound just really threw me. I didn't know if it was intentional or not. I think a lot of people think it was an intentional choice. Um, I I really struggled with it because I just genuinely couldn't hear what was going on <laughs> for most of it. The lead actress, although she was very, very good, it was delivered, like every line was delivered so... Uh, quiet. Quiet, that I was just like, I don't know what you're saying. And if it was if it was intentional, it I, I didn't fully grasp it a lot of the time because, for example, there's a scene where they're by the water and you can hear people talking in the background and it sounded if somebody had taken a camera just out on location and didn't filter the sound right. But we should probably talk about what the film was about rather than just jumping in. I mean, if you want to explain the film, go ahead because to be... To be quite honest, um, I don't know what it was about. I know someone died and there was some squid monster. It's, a, um, it's, it's an, essentially it's a essentially it's a thriller where there's a serial killer going around killing indiscriminately, as we find out at one of the police meetings. Her her partner, because she's we should mention obviously women being the so pride edition. She's gay, and her partner unfortunately dies early on in the film. 
the plot then seems to revolve around her struggling to deal with her partner's death and having some kind of PTSD after that, while also not doing anything to actually solve the crime. <laughs> so, to me, um, it literally felt like like a hybrid of... Uh, is it Colour Out of Space? Yeah. And monsters, mm. um, and and I to be to be frank, I found the whole thing quite confusing. Yeah, but you know, it was the first film of the day, um, a first feature film of the day, and um, I would, you know, even though it weren't a really early start, you know, still quite like eleven o'clock in the morning, half eleven, it was quite an intense start, um, especially with like the. The weird sound qualities. That's standard early film for festival goers, though. It's eleven o'clock is your standard start time, and we'll always call that early, mainly because you're going to bed at like two, three o'clock in the morning, and then having to get up again. So it is an early film, yeah. It was it was very early for us because we also thoroughly enjoyed the quiz the night before that Mitch Harrod had put <laughs> yeah. put together for it, and also the watch along with. Strong language and violent scenes. Of um, Hellbent. Oh, yeah? Mm. Yeah. I, I, I was going to say I went to bed relatively early, but I did the watch-along. Yeah, so. I um, that was my first watch of Hellbent. I, I really enjoyed it. So I guess then with, um, what was it called? The Fear of Looking Up. I guess mm-hmm. the consensus between us three is that it was not our cup of tea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a fair, a fair way to say it, yeah. Fair enough. I mean, I have seen some positive kind of reviews from other people at the festival. Oh, yeah. So, people loved it. You know, yeah. It's very, very Marmite kind of film, I think. Mm. So it's going to go one, one way or the other. Yeah. Cool. Um, should we move on to the next feature? No, let's, let's, let's talk the shorts with it because going, going, going from something that was a Marmite, re, Marmite mix of a, a reaction to something that I think absolutely everyone loved with absolutely no no doubt whatsoever which was unusual attachment yes the brilliant michael verratti that was a great short a really simple idea perfectly executed yeah i i enjoyed that short um i do have to question you know why anyone opens any kind of attachment that they get um on an email these days but <laughs> You know, like, I want you to put over videos. Like, oh, goodness me. You didn't even open TikToks that I send you. Like, is this really you? Yes, Mom. That's all anyone ever gets of me with anything that comes, any picture, attachment, anything. I'm like, text message, Facebook, whatever other medium I can contact someone. I'm like, did you send this? We've even had to come up with a code word now so Mercer knows it's me that's sending a video and not some random hacker. And we're not going to share that code word because I don't want no random hacker hacking me. Thank you very much. Um, but yeah, a usual attachment was great. Um, really strong performances um, and really kind of good that they, they shot it in isolation. Mm. Yeah, that's completely it. Considering they, they had no scale to work with, it's just two people or two or three people in their houses shooting this. The quality of the work he gets out of the cast. As I said when he was interviewed later on when Mitch spoke to him, he didn't want it just to be like a knock around DIY project 
at home. We wanted to be as close to a normal shoot as possible. I think the quality really shines through when you look mm. at it. And let's let's not forget that Felissa Rose cameo. Yeah. Uh, I mean, she was um, she's like the um, the every gay boy has yeah. once. <laughs> like, oh, you're looking for cock. <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> We, we haven't even explained what Unusual Attachment's about. Go ahead, then. Um, unusual Attachment is basically this guy who's looking online for a kind of, kind of grinder kind of app, um, looking for a little relief, shall we say, and ends up talking to this guy and really making a connection and goes back a few days later to find out he's online again and things unravel from there, but it's a show, so I'm not going to go further into it. Watch it for yourself and... You'll enjoy it. Love it's it. great. Right, shall we go on to the next feature? Mm-hmm. Well, actually, there wasn't a feature next, was it? It was a queer theatre showcase. Mm. So Which it, was, is... it was a selection of short films. Mm. Is that not enough um, of a feature for you? No. Um, so we should have had four, but we ended up with three. There was some kind of issues with one of the shorts that we didn't get to watch. Mm. Um, but the three we watched... I think we're pretty stellar. Does someone want to remind Faye of the names honest. again? So we'll start with the, the first one we watched, Conversion Therapist. <gasps> so good. My favourite. Like, well, I say favourite. I had a lot of favourites throughout the day. That is definitely top three. Yeah, so that was, uh, that was done by um, Beth Rebecca Fonte, mm. um, who is a trans director and scriptwriter. And it was kind of flipping uh, Conversion Therapist. On its not flipping conversion for therapy on its head, but turning the know, tables. Um, turning the tables, that's the word that I wanted <laughs> or phrase. <laughs> flipping conversion therapy would have just been them going around trying to make people gay. Yeah. Would have. <laughs> or, or just not going around trying to convert people into straightness. Truth. Mm. But this was um this was them um, they were technically trying to get someone to a, a priest who performs conversion therapy to admit his own kind of um, homosexual tendencies. Mm. Or like pushing him into it the way that people who do end up with conversion therapists are pushed into it as well. You know, you can push to say that you're straight. You're not straight. He was being pushed to say he was gay and he wasn't gay, but he had to submit, not submit, yeah, he had to give over to that, that he was gay in the end because of how much it be. It was so interesting. And the, the representation, it was fantastic as well. Yes. What I liked about it, and what I liked about um, most of the the shots is, um, so trans characters were played by trans actors. Yeah. Um, which, the, you know, there's there's been kind of a big debate uh, in like Hollywood or wherever, about like trans roles for trans people. Uh, and you do find that primarily um, they will give trans roles to men or women. Is there <laughs> uh, a name for that? women. Is, is, sorry? Is, sorry, is there a name for that? Like, you know, obviously whitewashing. Is there a specific term for that happening? It's just inequality, isn't it? Mm. You know, the... Um, We've got trans actors out there 
um, who are perfectly capable of playing trans roles. But, you know, I think there's still a bit of a stigma about it. Such as Assassination Nation, if you haven't checked that out. That was one of my favourite films of 2018, I think it was. Technically That's a horror. So. I was just going to say, one, one, one question on the trans... Obviously all the cast were great and it's great to see trans actors playing trans roles. The question is, yeah, is it worth risking a film that tells that kind of story from that from someone who wants to tell it not getting made by refusing to give the role to someone who's non-trans? Yes. Such as the, Scar- the Scarlett Johansson backlash with the one that she was associated with. I think it is worth risking your thought for that because if you're going to support people, you have to be showing to support them. And by hiring someone who isn't a trans actor, you're not supporting them. So now I absolutely think it's worth losing your film over that, personally. And, and if, if, if the idea is to express what it is like, so if that trans director, writer, is wanting to express what it is like through their, their kind of story to be trans, who's actually going to understand that more than a trans person? Mm. I am, like, I'm a big advocate for trans actors for trans roles i get what you're saying but you know i think from well see i've got trans so i can't speak for trans people but i would just i i would make the assumption that you know to to tell your story um it would be best coming from someone who's lived it um or understands where they're coming from i agree i agree i want to see trans actors play trans roles so yes, conversion therapy. Much, much loved by us. Really brutal in place. Brutal in places. Quite a uh, quite gruesome. Mm. Big. Or as we as we found from speaking to Andy last week, don't need a big budget for full on uh, body horror and gore, but no, they do it really, really well. What was the other shot that we had? So the next show uh, was like so trippy. It was Innocent Boy. Yeah. I- yeah. Mm. Not sure I fully understood. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it was very trippy. It was great. It looked amazing. I just wasn't entirely sure what I was watching. To me, it kind of almost felt like, um, oh, what do they call it when they do like a concept trailer for a, a feature? Mm. So it almost felt like it was a concept trailer to, to kind of get a budget for a a full-on feature film. It felt like Dreamland. You know, the Stephen McHattie film that also showed at Soho. It felt like that to me. It had that vibe. Vibe check. Vibe check. It's just just bonkers. I had no idea what was going on for a huge, huge chunk of it. I I think that might be one of my favourites because I was kind of confused, but I was fascinated and I didn't know what was going on, and I want to know what Mama's Milk is, because, <laughs> like, and what it does to you. <laughs> like, it was it was so bizarre, I kind of loved it. And then the final show um, was from BJ Kalingalo, and that was called Labris. That was the cool one, the two, uh, the two women on a date, and that douche guy tries to, yeah. like... You know, get up all in the face and be all like a man and douche it. Do you follow her on Twitter? 
No. She's absolute badass. She genuinely is. She's bro- I, She'll never follow me back, but I do follow her on Twitter. <laughs> it was a really good shot, that one. Yeah, I really like the concept of that one. And again, it felt... It, it, that's another one where I feel like, oh, I want to see more of where their relationship yeah. goes. And, and yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So then we moved on to the Nicholas Vince um, Iron Monsters segment. So the Nicholas Vince interview and the tennis bit of the show that he did, mm. um, which... I loved. Yeah, it was great. It it was um it was hearing about all the stuff that happened in the eighties as well, in regards to what they were going through and like the the fights and the movements that were happening at the time for them. That were pretty, pretty daunting. It's great. He's, he's brilliant. He's a great. He's a great actor, and it's really good to hear that. I'd like to go and see, I'd like to see the stage play. Mm. I'd like to sit there. I could easily spend a couple of hours listening to him go through this one-man show and going quite happily spend an evening in his company. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It, um, it hit me in the feels mm. a little bit. So, you know, I think there's a... Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that... He said that even, you know, even though I was like an 80s child or whatever, you know, we still grew up in a time where um, homosexuality was demonised. Yeah. Um, so, and it, and I guess just hearing other people who are, you know, older than you, who've lived a longer life than you, talking about the struggles that have happened, just brings it to life, like how, what, like the journey. The, it makes like it the real. LGBTQ. Yeah. It's not, it's not something the, you've just heard about, it's something that somebody is telling you actually happened, it's not something that you're reading about in a paper. Yeah, and just that journey, that challenge that that the the entire LGBTQI community has faced. Mm. It's it's yeah, it's a God. Let's not get depressive. Let's move on. The thing is, as well, he's such a nice guy. He's just the loveliest guy in real life. I say in real life when he's not performing stuff. He's he's such a peach, and it's horrible to think that he went through all that stuff. That him and all his friends went through that stuff. And millions and millions of other people. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but yeah, that's depressing. So let's move on to something a bit campy, shall we? Alright. The next feature. After Dark. <laughs> that's me as a vampire. I got that. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> Um, why do vampires always make that noise? Um, maybe they're getting rid of all the spit out of the cheeks so they can get more blood in there and they're just spraying it out. <laughs> like when you're what hocking the... up at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> what that? I, th- I just think they sound like feral cats. Like, think... you know, when cats get really angry. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think that's what they go for. They want to go for that animal kind of noise. And I suppose it's just he's that it's it's hard, I suppose, to go, what kind of noise would a a vampire make? You can't have them barking. That'd be that'd be weird. What about like a bat noise? Would they not make a uh, bat yes. noise? 
exactly what I was just going to say. What do vampires and Draculas and so, but so creatures of the night? Bats do, when you hear bats flying, though, they do make that kind of screeching sound, though, don't they? When they're flying as huge. I'm not sure, do you get flock of bats? I'm not even sure the term for a group of, a group of bats is. A baton. A baton. A bat, when you get a baton, a battalion. A battalion! <laughs> Sorry. That's that's the kind of sound. That's the kind of sound you get when their wings, that kind of screeching kind of sound. So I think that may be why they go for it. Okay, that's legit. It sounds legit. Who knows? But yeah, so after dark, that's uh, another entry from Charlie Steed. It is indeed. It is indeed. Um, Some classic, with... classic quotable content in it, as he always brings. Bless him. He does. Yes. We got Barrington. Um, we always love a bit of Barrington. We did get Barrington. Um, playing, uh, I kind of felt like out of character. Playing a bum. Well, yeah. And then I think of Winterskin and he weren't exactly, like, in my mind, I expect Barrington to walk onto the screen with, like, a, like a big cape and velvet suit and a walking stick. You think Barrington is Dracula? Is that what we're... But not Dracula, but just a very kind of, like, flamboyant kind of... Like, Dracula meets... Um... Liberace. Liberace. Right. Transformers. Transformers. Barrington rolls on screen. <laughs> I'd love a Barrington Transformer. Can we get that made? <laughs> What's he transforming from? All his characters. All his, it, it transforms like three ways into his different characters. So in Winter Skin and English Haunting and in After Dark. What were his alternative title? Uh, the real title is, I believe, Vamp. Players kiss. Right. Um, but yeah, I thought I, I was pleasantly surprised <laughs> by um, After Dark. Yeah. I, it didn't. It didn't like go the way I thought it might have. Um, and I enjoy Natalie Martin. Mm. I think she's quite good or, or very good. Um, Based on the one other thing I've seen her in, um, <laughs> Cruel Summer, amazing. Um, but yeah, I think um, it yeah it took me by surprise. Um, as in, I I don't know. I just didn't know like what to expect. I thought it was going to be like high camp over the top kind of weirdness. I'd say after the first ten minutes, the the film went exactly as I probably expected it would do. It reminded me a lot of Cherry Tree. Do you remember Cherry Tree? Yes, I do. For quotable content alone, like, I, th- this is a film I will watch again. <laughs> I will watch it again, especially with Bane, because uh, I need to do a quote along with Bane. Yeah, I, I thought it was um, a step in the, like, I, I think it fit well in the, in the, in the day. Yeah, yeah. Charlie um, Charlie throws himself full into everything he does as well. But Charlie also has this habit, um, sorry Charlie, if you ever hear this, but you have this habit of 
completely like started to talk about a project and like going, yeah, it's not really what I wanted to do or yeah, I could have done something better. Are we saying like, stop it, pulling yourself down, Charlie? Stop it. Yeah. It kinda always like it always feels like it's like then be kind of proud of what is produced. He might just be modest. That's all it might be. Just true, be, true. Yeah. I mean an English haunting I absolutely adored. I thought that were a great film. I had so much fun with that. It was a proper, proper old style haunting film. I really mm. thoroughly enjoyed it. And Winter Skin. I love Winter Skin. Is... I love Winter Skin. I still Opulence. I still talk about Winter Skin to this day. And I'll never stop. And although we slightly deviated, these all played at Soho. They did. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, we've not gone too far off topic. No, no. I quite, yeah, I think um, After Dark was good. After Dark also played with shorts. Surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had um, Thirst Trap. That's the vampire on Grinder. Yes. Yeah, that kid was from Steve Flavid. That was so good. Um, who also starred in it. Mm-hmm. Um, short yeah, that was a uh, yeah, very short but sweet. Yeah, yeah, a full four minutes uh, of short and sweet. Um, yeah, that was an interesting one. Um, I think what you find with quite a lot of the kind of shorts, um, especially some that we might come on to talk about later on that weren't in Soho. Um, there's definitely a massive kind of um, online dating subculture yeah that goes on with specifically gay men apparently well, it is part it, it comes as kind of a danger doesn't it because I, I guess with any online dating there's always a certain element of danger attached to it because you don't know that you're meeting up with the person you're talking to on a phone you don't know if that if those people are going to be homophobic and they're going to beat you up you know what i mean so i, I can see why there's a lot of horror attached to it I mean, as someone who's never used one of these apps, <coughs> just off subject, many, many years ago, everyone, me and Faye were both on an app, and um, I was talking to someone, and she was talking to someone, and it was the same fucking person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> tried, tried to play us, man, didn't they? Yeah. That was a bit, <laughs> that was quite funny. Sorry about that. <laughs> Highlights the kind of like you said, like like danger. You really don't know who you're speaking to no, on no these apps. But yeah, moving on. We also then had a uh, tea parties for babies. So that came to us from Heroes. Um, it's the one that starts off in the park with the two women who are chatting to, who just start chatting to each other. Yes. And then she, they end up on the night out at a club that ends up not being the kind of club you want to go to. Which is pretty much any club for me nowadays, and in the past. <laughs> then the next feature came up to my favourite feature of the day, which was David's Secret. Yes. Blew me away. This I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Diego Freitas's David's Secret. Is it his secret? Is this a like, biographical piece? Should the police <laughs> be investigating Diego Freitas? It's about this guy who is um, obsessed with taking pictures of other people and he becomes involved in a relationship with this guy but things start getting trippy and we have actually chucked i've missed a load 
Well, it's, it's like not even a relationship. This guy's almost kind of... Abusive, taking, but yeah. He's kind of taking advantage of kind of David's, like, tendencies. I mean, to be to be fair, there's never really a true admission of, like, homosexuality. There isn't, but it's implied. Yeah, it's implied. Mm. But he definitely kind of takes advantage of David's... Um, obvious obsession with him and treats him a bit like a bit like shit and then he's nice to him and then he's not but while it, while he is spending time with him they come across um a bird that's injured and this guy picks up the bird and kills it and he says i've, I've set it free and david takes that and projects that onto people who he believes need to be set free and I don't want to go into like the end of it because the ending is is great. Um, but that is basically what it is. It's David seeing people who he believes need to be helped and helping them in totally the wrong way. As as, as you believe and, until you lead up to the end, anyway. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it was my favorite of the day. Mm. Um, I, I don't think there's really much more. I can say about it. No, not without it, giving everything away. Yeah, it just—it looked great. The performances were great. Um, the lead guy um, helped me out. Nicholas Nicholas Pretes was um, fantastic. Um, it, it it felt like it felt like a serial killer. Yeah, <laughs> like it, it meant like, like you know, everything. Yeah, everything about him were very, like, Dharma-esque, mm. I think. Um, and then, yeah, it was just a really, really good film with um, a really good ending. I know the, I know Soho were comparing it very much to I Am Not A Serial Killer. And you can quite, you can very much see the way how they'd make a pairing. And you can understand the comparisons to Yeah, do. yeah. Before the final film, as you are going to say about the two shorts played... My two of my three shorts of the day, absolutely brilliant. Both of them. We'll go. I suppose we may as well do them in order. We should have done the rest of the films, but why don't we may as well do the shorts? Demons first from Jesse Klein. In a twisted, parallel world where you can be a sociopath, you can steal, you can kill, you can do whatever you want, but you still can't be gay. <laughs> With a brilliant film, uh, brilliant short. It is, with the support group where they sit around discussing how best to murder people and what weapon you like to use. It's just it's just a clever idea. And if any of the shorts that came out today I want a feature to be made, it is this one. I like the interaction with his parents as well. How they're like really proud that he's taking on murdering. <laughs> There was there was that such that sweet moment where um, he says that he's 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 that girl to his parents mm-hmm. and he goes off and they both know he's gay. And I think one of the parts I enjoyed of that film, uh, that show, which throw it out there was yeah in in the top shorts that um, I've seen. So uh, all three shorts, yeah. I thought it was amazing. Um, was when um, he goes to his boyfriend's house and kisses him. And there's that woman with little girl, and that woman's absolutely disgusted, and she's got like a shotgun or something. <laughs> little girl, and you're like, oh my god, that is so fucked up that that like 
in this world that yeah. would be accepted, but like just kissing you, the person you love is not. And then we got given the absolute treat of another Michael Bray short. Just when you wait for ages for one, two come along at once. It was a Halloween trick. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love this. It's brilliant. I'm not gonna, it's the same guy from Unusual Attachment as well, whose name completely escapes me at the moment. Ben? Ben Bauer? Ben, ben Bauer, Bauer, yes. And Tiffany Shepis. Tiffany! <laughs> I, just, I just thought to point out, if I had to live next to him, I would want him dead as well. He was so cheeky about it. So, again, we're, we're talking about these, we're not even explaining often and what they're about. <laughs> so, so um, basically, uh, Tiffany Shepis is living next door to this gay guy, and he's um, very promiscuous and is very loud about the fact. And she asks him to keep it down, and he's just a complete dick to her. So, I'll be loud if I want. I'm like, no, I'm bit I can rent, bitch. Shut up. Push it down. And then it comes to Halloween night. He decides he's going to be extra loud if he wants to be. And so when screams and stuff come from the room next door, she just puts it down to normal behaviour. But is it? It's not. Spoiler. Or does she have a very invested interest in what's actually happening next door? Who knows? No one knows. But one thing we do know... And I'll say it, and I'll say it till my blood runs cold. Tiffany Shepard, it's fucking fantastic. Um, I really, really enjoy it, um, just as an actress. And she's done so many films. And um, she's she's such a good advocate and ally for the LGBTQ community. She's mm-hmm. fabulous. I absolutely adore her. Yeah, she's, Sorry, she's a good one. I'm not going to hunt her down. I'm not <laughs> going to peel her face off. And I'm not going to wear it. It sounds like you might. <laughs> does... I just can't afford the airfare. But... It does sound like one of those things, yeah. We go, well, we should have we should have those red flags really should have been... He seems no, but... like such a good guy. I only wanted to do a hunt her down. But in all honesty, I think she's... Um, I think she's a lot more talented than the world actually gets to see um because you know we're in the uk specifically we don't really get to see that many of her films unless you're like on prime or netflix hello victor crowley okay tell me five more no (laughs) (laughs) elvis and noah from horror circles you know yeah, she's um, but she's she's in so many films and she is so good. But enough about Tiffany. Let's um, let's let's discuss the the final film. Yes, let's. of the night. I it's loved the, it. <laughs> That's... It's the very sensibly titled "Killer Unicorn." Killer Unicorn. Woo woo. Yeah. So. This, when you when you read the description for this film, you would not. This is not something that I would read and go, "Oh, this is squarely targeted at my demog- demographic." It's brilliant, though. I'll tell you, it's my joint film of the day, along with David's Secret. Absolutely loved it. So much fun. It is. It is a lot of fun. Um, 
How could it not be? <laughs> you got a killer in a unicorn mask and a bunch of drag queens. Mm-hmm. Like it's it 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 can't be anything but fun no. and bitcher and in your face and over the top and <laughs> you just got quite a lot of self centered characters. Yeah. <laughs> um, like I say, Drew Bolton, who directed that, uh, did a fabulous job. Yeah. Some of the dialogue that came out with as well, which I think it was just after the first person had died, you see, oh, this why nobody liked her because she was a cunt. I'm gonna have to give my favorite line. My favorite line of the film was after him, uh, the lead dude was there. I forgot. I want to call him Alex, but I don't think he was called Alex. Um, Donna. And Pup get together and the next morning they wake up and he opens the cupboard and there's a head in there and then he gets on his phone and, and Pup's like, why are you on Grindr when there's a seven head in your closet? <laughs> He's like, yeah, well, priorities. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of love that film. But do you know what I do think was good about the film? I, I like the, not the very ending, but like when they when they escape the club. Yeah. And we have the final kind of couple of deaths because that kind of threw me for six a little bit. Mm. Just saying. There was some good good kills in the club, I thought. The way that people's bodies were discovered and stuff, I thought were genius. (laughs) Never Never look at fisting in the same way again. drag queen sees it, I think she's the owner of the club and she sees it and doesn't say anything and then when the when the guy goes missing she's like, oh so I get spiked I just didn't think I should say anything like, yeah. what? I'm not going to say Jesus No, yeah, Killer do yeah. Killer Unicorn was it was a fun fun uh, ending movie Definitely a midnight film a midnight movie Yeah, I'll definitely watch it again Yeah, yeah, absolutely Some bevies. Bevis, some hypno, and uh, we're on his way. Um, Rubber fist. I want to say that that was uh, the end of the festival and that we're done with that, but um, tell a lie because we had a few surprises thrown in which we've we've not discussed yet. We certainly did. We had a surprise film from Nicholas Finn's, um his short film, uh, Necessary Evils. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was kind of like a world premiere kind of secret so we're not going to go too much into that one um because we're not really sure how much we can talk about it but we'll just we'll just say keep your eyes out for it then we had um so we've seen this film before but we did have a special clip of this film for people who haven't seen this film before oh yeah which was spiral incredible Um, film we set at fright fest last year i believe um and it's uh, 
I, I don't want to liken something to get out, but it is very get out. Uh, but so well done. I loved it. I mean, I kind of didn't get out. I didn't get get out. Okay. Did you get? Did you get, get out? Did you not get? I didn't get out, but I got out because getting out is get out. Something along those lines, Chris. Um, you know when the well, wine. You know when the wines brothers eventually decide to do to mock get out and other stuff. That's what the title's going to be. We've just handed it to them on a plate. Thank you, Marlon. Thank you. Um, why am I thanking them? They should be thanking. <laughs> I, they shouldn't even be thanking me. They should be thanking Chris. Um, but yeah, Get Out, directed by Curtis. Uh, no, Get Out. Dr. Art. <laughs> I what you've done to me. Spiral. Spiral, directed by uh, Curtis David Harder, starring kind of probably one of my new favourite people, um, who I'm, again, not going to stalk, um, <laughs> which, <laughs> which is a... Jeffrey Bauer Chapman. Mm. Um, so he plays the lead, basically. Um, and, yeah, he's, he's. I think he's absolutely amazing in it. Yeah, this... I mean, this plays much more paranoid thriller than... I mean, we'd get out... As I say, I know you say we don't, we don't want to harp back to get out, even though it's a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Get out is very much... There's just a sense that something's off the whole way through. Yeah. Whereas... Spirals very clearly something is wrong and it's got this kind of paranoid thriller. I say I don't want to delve too much into it because there is twists and turns along the way. So I don't want to spoil it for anyone who's going to go and seek it out, which I recommend oh, they okay, do because yeah. I absolutely adored it. But yeah, it's very, very paranoia heavy with brewery performances. And yeah, definitely highly recommend it. What else did we have? We have the sh- we have the short scene from the new feature, which I know is a pun on Drop Dead Gorgeous, but it's completely passed me by what the title is. It's actually Death Drop Gorgeous. <laughs> so a Death Drop, we all know what a Death Drop is, right? Yes. Yeah, I'm, do, hang on, do you, Chris? No. So I can explain this. A Death Drop, I believe, is basically where a drag queen will end her scene by just dropping to the floor. Yeah, they kind of like just just bang and, and stop. drop. Right. Yeah. yeah, it's a very scary kind of move that strike queens do. Yeah, not. I'm not going to say much more than that on on that matter because what we need to talk about is just how fucking good that scene, that short kind of introduction scene to the move, Death Drop Gorgeous, was. Yes. <laughs> and anyone, anyone who is a fan of glory holes you may not be after that. <laughs> so, we don't we don't judge our audience we don't judge our audience but, but be careful out there <laughs> the thing for me what I kind of loved about it was uh, and this is just a little insight now into mm-hmm. into my world people is everything I watched I could genuinely re- relate to up until a certain point where yeah. something happens, which hadn't happened to me yet. But the whole kind of, the whole concept of like going out and like meeting someone and kind of like tagging your friend along or some support there. And then because you don't know what to do, you're like, yeah, I'm just going to get really drunk and be like really obnoxious and in your face. <laughs> uh, because it's all I know, because that's what I do when I'm out. 
Um, so I like I really related to that. But then I totally related to the kind of like I'm leaving the club really drunk on grinder. Yeah. <laughs> aspect with the whole blow and go. Yeah, may as well. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and actually ended up in some very weird places. Mm. Um, so we, we could do a watch... whole episode on the weird places you've ended up. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> um, you know, um, but the kind of concept, the idea that, like, because it's, it's quite comedic and they play it quite, like, very in a comedic way the entire thing that we watched but like the kind of reality behind it is a lot of like gay men do that and get themselves into like positions and situations that they really shouldn't be putting themselves in yeah and you know you watch it and you go oh in the right mind's gonna go into some fucking dark dank cellar from a random stranger's message Yes, me. I would have. <laughs> Probably have. But yeah, I really related it up until meet Grinder moment, and then I was like, yep, no. Never happened. Not yet. Yeah, well, thankfully. Well, I'm having a relationship. But, uh, um, but yeah. So Death Drop Gorgeous. I don't think we were given a release date. Um, no, I think it is. Is it not like a work in progress at the moment? Is that not? Y- yeah. Um, but... We should probably shout out the people involved in there. So that's Michael J. Ahern, Christopher Dal- Dalper, and Brendan Perez. And they're kind of like the three directors. But they're also involved with um, Screen Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, yes, yes. Um, Which is a brilliant documentary. If I think we've mentioned it before. If you haven't seen it, it's um, it, op- it opens up a whole new perspective as to what Mark Patton went through just making a film. Like, the the backlash mm. and the fucking... Yeah. Watch it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's uplifting, it's, but it's heartbreaking at the same time. Yeah. And uh, you can... It, it was like a love project. You can see, like, the, the passion uh, behind it. Um, mm. And that, that came to the, the people who were involved with Death Drop Gorgeous, um, who did that. That's uh, Roman... Uh, Chimiente, I'm terrible at pronouncing names, and Tyler Jensen, I got that one down, Tyler Jensen. Um, it's Tyler yeah. Jensen. <laughs> Tyler Jensen. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like it's going to be amazing, mm. and it's also got Lydia Quigley in it. That brings us to the end of the Soho Pride Festival day, uh, with the shorts and the features there. Um, that kind of sparked our interest a little bit as well into what other content's out there so um we decided to have a little look around and see what else we could find as well as looking at other content and having a chat about it ourselves we thought what could we do who could we bring in what expert uh with passion and knowledge can we bring in to to add to this show so we thought who do we bring on None other than the master, the magical, the wondrous... Michael Barrymore! Woo! Uh, so the record, I don't have a swimming pool. No one is invited. No, but thank you, John, for flagging in the faggot. Um, it's me. It's me, it's Jackie! It's me, and me, it's you. <laughs> That's not problematic, is it? <laughs> Wow. Should we talk about some queer horror? We probably should, because, yeah. 
It's going to be an odd podcast if we sit here in silence for the next 60 minutes. And I've been, I've been sat here this whole time listening to you talk about my little Labour of Love festival. Um, that's, that's not been awkward at all, but the things we do for continuity and recording. You were quiet in the corner, Mitch. That's all we needed. You, you were a good boy. Yeah, yeah. I, I pissed on a sponge for the last two hours. In our journey to educate ourselves, um, on more queer content out there, we watched a number of shows. I, we personally watched 10. Mercer watched 50 of the fuckers. Oh, <laughs> 50 shows. That is a lot of shows. Um, I imagine we'd be here for hours if we went into every single one of them. So maybe we should just pick out highlights? Yeah, definitely. And um, what we'll do is we'll, uh, we'll just make sure we share the links for all the ones that we don't discuss. Mm-hmm. Because all of these are available online for everyone. Am I right in saying? On the YouTube. Oh, sexy. Mm. And I have watched none of these, as far as I'm aware, or we'll find out soon. Uh, But I would love to pitch in maybe some that I've played over the years. Of course. Um, Programming queer horror showcases, um, the short films, and also just some lovely, lovely treats that are available for everyone online at the moment. Sweet. Real good treat. So, I reckon, Fair, um, as you watch them today, why don't you and Chris pick up a couple of the ones that you liked? My favourite, without a doubt, was Dirty Paws. Is that what it's called? It is is Dirty Paws. Dirty Paws. It is the fucking sweetest thing I have ever seen in my life. So, as I'm watching it, I am actually squeeing. I'm like, oh! because it was so fucking cute it's about um this gay couple and one of them is werewolf it's all done in animation done absolutely beautifully and every time he starts to transition on the full moon his boyfriend chains him up makes sure he's comfy he's like do you need a pillow it's like no i don't need a pillow thank you it's oh silly chuff like that calm down when he's starting to turn and stuff um, lets him off because he can't resist him being such a cute werewolf <laughs> and he goes out into the night uh, does his werewolf stuff I, I I won't go into the rest of it but oh it's so adorable he's just, look, he's just looking after him like it's no big deal and oh so cute I think what's sweet and good about it as well is it, it really doesn't matter who the couple were mm. the story isn't about them being a gay couple it's about the love they're just being a couple yeah yeah and wanting to protect um his boyfriend from doing something stupid basically um but it's lovely um do you know that was like during 2015 yeah Mm. it's it's quite an old one and that was done by karen ferrek uh she came she wrote it directed it animated it the animation's Uh, gorgeous Oh, I want to watch it again. Now. I love, I love, love, love this one. So one thing that's really, really cool about this one as well, which is kind of super rare for, well, almost like any short film, let alone an animated short film, but also available online, if I remember right, at least last time I checked, on Vimeo or on Karina's Vimeo, there are animated bloopers. Oh. 
and I think it's called something like Dirty Bloops, oh. um, and they are super, super funny and equally adorable because she's obviously the bloopers are from the ADR and the Foley sessions, and yeah. she's gone in and animated over the top of it to the actors kind of stumbling over things. Oh my god, um, that's so adorable! It's 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 so cute. It's so cute, <laughs> and, and when when that big werewolf is kind of like big spooning his boyfriend, <laughs> it's it's legitimately the cutest thing. What I also and, and so n- not to immediately throw in on the kind of like wider issues and politics of it, but like there, there's so much uh, homoeroticism and um, kind of queer allegories within the werewolf culture. Uh, one reason why this makes it so cute and kind of why the two go together so well, but also it's a really really great fuck you because one reason why I love gayness and like amphibi together is because a lot of the fucking right-wing gammons out there always like to use the line well what are you going to do next marry a marry a dog because that's a natural it. transition you're actually well absolutely us saying this here understands the absolute ridiculousness of it but there's always seemed to be this weird misillusion with bestiality and homosexuality and that's mm. why i love it when films always kind of do a little bit of a fuck you to that by kind of going well yeah why not why not fuck your werewolf boyfriend? No. No, this one's cute as. I love this one. Thank you for bringing it back to my attention. The relationship they have as well is, oh, when he's cooking and he just comes up behind him and just gives him a hug from behind and I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. that's so sweet. I, I'm, just, I'm just like oozing over this one because it, it was my favourite. It was absolutely... But it does, ev- it does everything that, like, a Richard Linklater uh, romantic comedy does in an hour and a half or three hours mm. in five minutes. Yeah. Like, it, it, you get this full kind of picture of a relationship in five minutes. Um, and that's happening not only with a gay couple, but with a gay dog couple. Yeah. It's cute. It's cute. Yeah. It's good call. Good call. Dirty calls. Mercy, you had a different favourite to us. There were so many that I loved when I watched them, but one that stuck out for me was um, Tonight It's You. Mm. And so that was done in 2017, directed by Dominic Hexton. Um, and it's, it's again, it's kind of like that um, like danger story of online hookup. So it's about um, a guy called CJ who, who goes to eat, meets someone on Grindr, and goes out to meet him. Um, and then this kid we meet, Hunter, is a bit... Um, he's obviously quite... He's not as open or out as CJ, um, but that's because he's got a really kind of, I'm going to guess, over-religious, zealous father who's very much against homosexuality. And, um, yeah, things don't really go... The, the way that you want them to yeah. for CK and it's witnessing um, technically a, a, like an exorcism to get the gay out of Hunter um, but yeah it's quite it's quite intense um, but it's really well done and it's really dark and it's got like a bit of a, an odd kind of like ending which I really enjoyed Um yeah, I really liked it. And again, it's that a lot of the shorts, like I said earlier, have this kind of like hook up set up. Mm. Uh, 
but they also have a lot of like religious kind of content in them yeah despite what religion it is as well so yeah. like this is obviously a christianity based one um but yeah yeah it's really good and the lead's really good as well mm. um it reminded me a lot of emile hirsch is it emile hirsch yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. This one's super interesting. I don't know, uh, John, have you seen um, the short film that is effectively a prequel to this Tonight It's Me? No, I couldn't find it. Oh, uh, okay. I, I, again, I think, last time I checked, it's on Dominic Haxton's Vimeo page. As far as I know, they're both available online. Actually, they're both, I, I guarantee they're both available on the platform Deco. Um which is a, you can you can kind of subscribe for a free trial on Amazon. It's it's where um, Halloween Trick has been premiered, mm. which I know you might have spoke about kind of in the last section. We did. Um, I know that de- I know they're definitely both available on that. They might be on Vimeo. I'm not too sure, but it's it's really really interesting to watch them both as a pair because one is kind of a romantic drama, um, and it segues really really interestingly, like like you said, into the kind of horrors of a hookup that tonight it's you all starring um well obviously like jake robbins is the main character uh in both of them uh it's interesting as a you can kind of put the two films together um almost as like a 30 minute mini feature um and it plays out in kind of a similar way to how there's this films like kill list that are out there that aren't a horror film until the final act Mm. Um, and it, it works quite interestingly as that and just kind of shows how uh, queer life can be really, really fantastic and lovely and you can hook up and find love, but also you can have a hookup and it can end really, really badly. Yeah. And I think that, that's what um, Tonight You kind of shows. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about Tonight You at all a bit more, but it segues really beautifully into my pick. So... Uh, my kind of short film that I'll always call to um, when, when people ask me kind of what, what's something I can go to for queer horror uh, would be Blake Morrison's Piotr 495, uh, which follows a very, very similar uh, log line to Tonight It's You, which is kind of how a hookup on Grindr or um, uh, other gay apps are available. Um <laughs> can go wrong really um it, it basically follows a uh young guy who's living in soviet russia um who pulls out his phone when he's bored one night and decides to go on an app and a guy chats him up and he seems really really ideal so he goes around his house and all seems fine until he knocks him out ties him up in a bathtub and then tries to um kind of in like like Merce said in tonight it's you almost go through like this ritual of casting this the gay out of him whether it's uh shaving his head and pouring kiss on him uh, but this one takes it kind of a, a, a another step further and um, does something that i love about um kind of the intersection of quips and horror which is attributing that sense of um kind of underdog redemption and this story of the, the, the person, this underdog, this outcast, um, kind of uprising against its oppressors, which is something that's obviously a hallmark in horror, but also like massively relatable um, to, to queer audiences. And this does it in a really, really great way, really schlocky way, but it's also massively clever and it's got some great effects. It's, it's great. It's great. This one's available on Vimeo, I think. 
possibly YouTube, but it's um, P-Y-O-T-R-495, Pyotr495 by Blake Mawson, which is, uh, it's, it's one of my favourites. Uh, it, was, it was one of the first films that I programmed uh, when I started the film festival back in 2018. Uh, so it's, it's, it's got a special place in my heart, but I also think it really, really stands on its own, obviously, um, as, as a short film, and, and really, really demonstrates kind of the power that when you put queer content into a horror film, what it can mean on a, on a real social issue kind of level. I think keeping with the religious theme as well, um, maybe just mention home. Is it homophobic or homoph- Homo- homophobic? It is. It's from Stephen Rosoda. Again, there's a theme with gay or homosexuality being akin to demon or being possessed by some evil spirit. In this one, they're basically a group of. We'll call, we, they don't specify the religion, but we'll call them Christian, we'll yeah. Christian, Catholic, whatever you want to break down that minor, that group into. They're there, and one of the guys in their group comes out to them. The lead, lead passes out, and what descends from there is a small... I say a small killing, a small killing spree, when with the death of one individual... And a lot of heavy metal versions of different songs. Yeah. Which are really great. Heavy metal version of uh, Bad Romance, which was amazing. Yes. Mm. Okay. As, as I say, it just, it just leans on that. You don't know, kind of being, being gay is akin to having a demon in you. And to be fair, the actual outcome of it, though, where she passes out and then she wakes up and then she comes back just where he's actually came out, actually tells... Wildlife, I think, is actually a decent viewer point for religion, where it's like, no, yeah, he's religious, he believes in God, doesn't matter if he's gay, doesn't, mm. this is what happens if you attack him over his sexual preferences, just leave it, he's fine, he's come out to you, there's no need to be attacking, he's religious the same way as you are, just leave it, everything is fine, no yeah. need to be attacking him. Great little shot. I said literally goes on for about 14 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I think what I like about homophobic... Um, homophobia. Homophobic. And what I also like about um, Theatre 465, like, different things, but... So I like the fact that homophobic... Oh, my God, what's it called? Homophobic. Homophobic, yeah. <laughs> which is which we should say is 2013. Wow. Yeah, it's, okay. like, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, what I like about that is it, it, it uses the the small platform that it's created within its story to like highlight not like immensely but highlight other issues mm-hmm. so there's like a nice moment where um a couple of the girls have been demonized and one of them comes back and she's like black lives matter mm. um and it's it's kind of you, you weren't expecting it it's kind of off the out of the storyline but they know that like whoever sees that They've got a platform to kind of raise other awareness. Yeah. He is ahead of the curve. Mm. Off the back of that, and to bring it to somewhere, like, if you're okay with me throwing out another one that I think is really easily accessible, but it's also great, um, because we, we've kind of flagged up a lot of the G in LGBTQIA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm, 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 I think we as a collective, and, and speaking as kind of a, a cis gay male, think we need to we're currently at a really and we can go and talk about this but we're at a point where um kind of the l and the g in lgbtqa a plus is 
being shown a lot more in the mm-hmm. horizon, which is absolutely amazing, but it doesn't mean that we should stop and we shouldn't shine a light on other things. Uh, that being said, um, off kind of that tent, we, we've spoken about kind of um, gay males in horror, um, which is the the biggest aspect of the pie chart. Um, so just a, another short film that you should check out is a film called Daisy, um, which is- We watched on, that. Oh, you like, yeah. seen it in your eyes? Yeah. yeah, I love Daisy. I think it's available still on Crypt TV, which is the EIR off platform on YouTube. It is, um, yeah. Which is just a really, really great ghost story um, about a lesbian couple that are that move into a new home. It's their first home together. Um, it plays on some interesting, but very, very naturally realised tropes of um, kind of female same-sex relationships. But they are being haunted by a conservative. Religious, extremist conservative religious couple that used to live in that house. It's fucking scary as well. Um, so well that's done. What I love about this one. It's, it's often, and what what I really really want to make clear is what we're we're talking about a lot of films here that um, obviously are LGBTQ plus uh, horror films. Mm. It doesn't mean that they're not horror films. Often you can think that well horror is going to be dialed back in favour of social matters. And I think a lot of these films we're going to talk about, that's not the case at all. It just so happens that there are uh, queer actors, queer filmmakers behind it. And the actual horror content is just as extreme as you'd expect in any hetero cis film. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's the same with Daisy. The stuff you kind of get in there, some of the visuals are really fucking intense. Yeah, yeah. Um, Same with Piotr, same with a lot of the short films we spoke about. Um, yeah, so I think that's that's a really good one to check out. And I know you guys have spoke about the quiet room mm-hmm. in um, your Black Horror um, episode, and I just want to echo how incredible that film is. Um, obviously, you spoke about uh, the fronting of a uh, a black male lead in that film, um, but also I think Sam Wyman being this amazing uh, kind of flag bearer for queer horror, um, who's the sorry the director of the Quiet Room, which is available on Shudder. Um, he is now currently in post production on a feature length uh, documentary all about queer horror mm. uh, in in the vein of horror noir, uh, which should be coming out before the end of this year on Shudder. Um, but if you want to see kind of his credentials, check out The Quiet Room, mm. which obviously stars um, Brian or Katja Zamakalinskova. Zama that's the one. And um, Alaska Thunderfuck as, um, as Hattie, the, uh, the incredibly realised like um, ghost in that. And then The Quiet Room is a great example of how you can have um, a queer collective, so queer filmmakers, queer actors, but not necessarily do a film that's really about queer content it's a ghost story and it's about mental health um, that just happens to star and be made by queer filmmakers and and you you could argue obviously that there is an, a, an element of queerness in that i mean lisa wilcox is in it as the nurse so um yeah i mean yeah doesn't that say everything babe? yeah but um no check out check out quiet room check out daisy check out all of these short films mm. all incredible picks love them all what we maybe could do is um, through our mutual social medias is actually share a playlist that we can both curate of queer short films that people can access online for free in their own time. That'd be cool. That would be quite cool, wouldn't yeah. it? Wouldn't that be good? It's, it's almost like we planned it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Some of us write to more naturally than others, but there you go. <laughs>
So, I reckon moving away from shorts, um, we kind of also had a look at a couple of feature films, um, revisited some first time watch uh, for some, uh, just again, get a, an idea of what's been put out there already um, and see how we've evolved and where we might be going um, in the future. Um, so, what did, you, what did you watch, Tulsa? I mean, Alice. <laughs> Stella's little clips. Stop dead naming her. <laughs> <laughs> um, we watched All Cheerleaders Die, which was a first time watch for me. Um, I do remember it being shown at Fright Fest, but I didn't make the screening because I think that was the year that we got split up into screens. The Film 4, The Arrow, The Horror Channel, that sort of thing. Uh, we ended up in the best screen, obviously. Um I didn't see all cheerleaders die, but I had a really good time with this. It was not what I was expecting at all. I thought it was going to be some sort of zombie cheerleader affair, and it totally wasn't at all. It was about witches, witches and zombies, which I really didn't expect. Um, I think that the thing that obviously links it to LGBTQ is because the two main characters are in a lesbian relationship. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's actually the three, the three of them. The, yeah, because the there's the yeah. there's the ex, there's the and then the cheerleader, and then the new, the new cheerleader. So there's actually a triumvirate of lesbian relationships in that film. It's just the film is just bonkers. Mm. It's it's a lot of it's a lot of fun. It's zombies and as you say, zombies and witches with weird energy sapping vampire and revenge S parts, like revenge meets revenge yeah. flick massive yeah. vampires it's, it's, and werewolves living together mass hysteria <laughs> nice. it's it's all over the place but it's so entertaining and yeah I, I really really enjoyed it it's also got the i'll have to get a name later on because i'm clearly not prepared with names as per usual uh but the lead is the lady from kindred spirits which was also by Luca McKee, as was this. And I, I really enjoy her as an actress. I think she's great. I've got, I'll, be, I'll be entirely candid here. Uh, I have not seen this since, like you mentioned, Faye, uh, that, that 2014 Friday Fest. Mm. Um, I remember not loving it at the time. Mm. And I think it's because it's it almost over-promised its female empowerment, iconic... Uh, I, I guess you could boil it down to sassiness. Um what we love about films like Heather's and Mean Girls or Assassination Nation yes. more recently that I think got it a lot more right. For some reason, and I, I, I owe this one a rewatch, but this didn't connect with me, which is weird because when I revisit it on paper and hearing you talk about it, I'm like, well, this, this is my totally my shit. Hmm. Um, and, and I'm all right in saying that, so, so the, this group of cheerleaders, um, and, and, on, a, on kind of a buy scale, I think that this maybe disappointed me because it wasn't bring it on eight. The real horror. We're on like bring it on seven now or something like that. Jesus um, and, and this doesn't quite, it doesn't do what, I, that's kind of how I had it pitched to me. It was like bring it on me to focus. I think um, it, it, it goes total looking at looking territory. That's the thing. So if you watch like The Woman or Kindred Spirits or, you know, any of his work, he, he takes it in a different direction every time. What you think is going to happen is not what's going to happen. 
Especially in the woman. I love the woman. I wish we could talk about the woman, but now's not the time and the place. However, we will talk about the we will. <sighs> I, I, I I'm racking my brain if we can kind of subvert the woman to being queer content solely for us to talk about it, but we can't. So we might. No. But I mean, this. I mean, I, I basically this boils down to girls get their own back against boys because they're boys. Am I right? Oh. They're not just boys. They're thugs, essentially. They're rapists. Yeah. I mean, this stereotypical portrayal of that American jock. Yeah. yeah. Because we've seen that happen. I mean, it was in um, American Horror Story Coven. That's the exact same mm. storyline you get at the very beginning of, of that season. Uh, but what I remember specifically loving about this is the lead character, Lena, um, is the one that actually resuscitates the group. And mm. that is kind of the uh, the lead character being a lesbian. Which I guess you could say, well, maybe she's she's gay and she's a witch and therefore she's evil, but that's bullshit because she's she's gay and she's a witch and she's getting her own back against these homicidal jobs. From from the film, the people around them don't make any issue of the fact that they are in a lesbian relationship. There's no, no like, from what I remember the night, there was no like full on slurs that you'd get or that you'd expect from a high school setting it, yeah. it, it no, just I... was and then that's that's one of my favorite things i've said this all years it's one of my favorite things in films is when you get a gay couple in a film who just are the, you know the, there's no mention of it around people everyone knows that they are in a gay relationship there's no one making gay jokes about it do you know what i mean it, it just exists uh, that, that, sorry, that's the only reason I, I absolutely agree with you to not draw attention to sexuality as, the, as kind of the main driving force, because it doesn't have to be at all. Um, one of the things that I really, really want to happen in queer horror, there's two things. One is over queerness and horror, so films that can be as fucking gay and fabulous and camp as they like, but also films that can just exist as a horror film that happens to have a gay relationship where yeah. it doesn't revolve yeah. around it as the butt of a joke the point of um, the villain um, in the case of kind of science of lambs or dress to kill um, or it being something that it's playing purely to get attention um, and and yeah, what it does is just it, it plays this as, as as natural as it can be um, weirdly enough Lucky McKee has done it before in May mm. um which I, which I think is a, a superb example of a queer horror film. Um, Angela Bettis plays this character who um, is an outsider. And, I mean, if that's not what horror or queer horror is about, then I don't know what is, um, who just wants to be loved in this world. And that, that's kind of all it is. And also, actually, I've just realised, but Audrey Lucas Die is directed by it's not just lucky mckee it's also chris silverstone who made i know who killed me the uh the film starring Lindsay lohan yeah which i mean it's not queer content but it is queer iconic because it's fucking Lindsay lohan <laughs> <laughs> i mean that film is incredible it's not as good as the other Lindsay lohan film you know the one where she tried to take a child that one were better Bay. <laughs> Bay. <laughs> I'm leaving all that in. <laughs> <laughs> you can't love for him like 
I can't. <laughs> you can't. I'm sorry. Oh, can you give them quinoa bread? Oh. That was the one I loved most about that video. I like Lindsay answer. Lohan as a, as just throwing that out there. I actually like Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> I love her too, and I think she's very underappreciated. But also, maybe yes, she does kidnap Hispanic children. <laughs> Oh. I understand that uh, Mercer and Chris are going to want to talk about their favourites and stuff, but just piggybacking on the back of what you said um, in terms of couples just being in there and they not the sexuality not being the focus of the story. Yeah. That's why I adore, and I've watched three times, I think, and I don't even own it, um, What Keeps You Alive. Oh. Because it is simply them as a couple and th that is not the story. The story is everything else that's around it, which is fucking incredible. I actually enjoy what keeps you alive. I just want it to pick an ending. Um, that's it. I think overall it's a really, really good film. Yeah, and, and I think one, th one thing we have to be clear of here is like, just because they are great examples of queer representation doesn't mean that they are invalid of critique and mm. that when we do critique these films which we invariably will it's not anything tantamount to homophobia or they could be doing this better it's purely because exactly like we're saying we don't want the films to be explicitly about gay content in exclusivity, just the same way that because they have gay content doesn't mean they are inculpable of critique, which I think we see quite a lot of online. I think you're reading Chris's mind right now. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, because I, I, I don't love what keeps you alive. In fact, I actually quite, dis I quite dislike it. Go on, tell us why. Because it's got a lesbian couple in it. Yeah, that's, that's, that's it. I've, I think it's it probably the 18th ending. I lost all interest in it. I don't even remember it. I just that's how li it's a film that I remember just really not enjoying. Don't remember a bit of it now, apart from the fact it's got 18 endings. Well, what I love about What Keeps You Alive, um, Colin Minihan's What Keeps You Alive, which uh, is on everyone Netflix, yeah, yes. um, which everyone should check out is that it is this tale of a toxic relationship, which we've all fucking seen before. We've all seen psychosexual um, survival horrors before, but it, like, like they said, it's literally, it happens to be with a same-sex female couple. And it's got Brittany Allen, and who doesn't love Brittany Allen? She's also in this film, she's the music composer, and I think the music in this film is really, mm. really, really great. Really love it. Um, yeah, no, exactly what you're saying. Uh, there's a lot of films that kind of to piggyback off of that and just to make another um, social master content because um, I can't help myself. Um, <laughs> there, are, there are so many films out there that appear to conflate sexuality with um, like psychopathy or deviancy. Mm. So films where um, they don't necessarily specifically say because they are gay, because they are queer, they are a psychopath but by portraying those as the only two characteristics that that character has, in that they are gay, they are a lesbian, or they are trans, and they're also a serial killer, that there's a natural binding of them together. And this doesn't do that, because it, 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 it like,
like you said, it doesn't matter. It doesn't kind of say that here is a group of people. The only person in it that is a serial killer is also the only person in it that is queer. I was discussing this with Chris the other day. And I've said growing up from a point of view where I am not a... I don't identify as a homosexual woman or or in any sort of that arena. Um, When I was watching things like Silence of the Lambs and Cherry Falls, I didn't consider it to be the reason they were a serial killer was because they were trans or, you know, I, I didn't... That wasn't a connection that I ever made. It was just they they are a serial killer who happens to be that, who happens to be trans. It's just that you you naturally don't have that um, inclination of thought. Mm. Um, whereas I, I, I think it boils down to kind of what you... Not, not to go super fucking in-depth right now, but um, it boils down to kind of why there is this intersection between queerness and horror. And it's because, like, horror is intrinsically this study of the other, mm. um, whether it's um, a fascination with the villain turning into an anti-hero like Freddy and Jason, or if it's this um, love of the underdog uprising against a rival. And obviously with queerness, you've got this whole um, acceptance and understanding of what it is to be on the outside Mm. Um, or be this minority um, and I think that that's kind of why there's this almost implicit understanding and why you find that there's so many uh, queer people that love horror films is because then there is that almost like camaraderie in mm. that content um, and I completely understand that there's, there's going to be many queer people out there that's like that's not the reason why I like it I just like seeing people get their heads cut off and that's fine um, and it, similarly, there's going to be a lot of people out there that's going to be like, well, my films aren't queer. That's just Jason feeling a dick. Um, I think a lot of people from the queer culture love horror because they have not been immediately accepted or throughout their life ever without questioning themselves, their existence, their yeah. justification. Um, I don't know. I don't know. There, there's many things. we uh, And, and let, let's not kind of delve into this psychology of this because we could and we're all intelligent enough to do this but we're here to talk about you can speak for yourself sir i'm not intelligent (laughs) enough to go into this (laughs) yes you are and you say i i love this and i want to bring it up you you say you're kind of not a part of the lgbtqia spectrum but you are because you are an ally and you are an incredible ally and i know john will agree with me in this um because I've seen you fucking fight tooth and nail for against oppression or for supporting us. Um, so you're absolutely part of the fight. You're absolutely part of our community. I, I think that, um, and, and, and there are some people that um, subscribe to uh, the queer culture that will disagree with this, but I think there has to be a inclusatory wing or outstretched arm and hug of straight people that, vociferously defend and support this culture. I think in the fight for equality, the key word is equality mm. and inclusivity. Yeah. And, you know, you have to embrace everybody if you want to fight embraced by everybody. Um, except for, like, you know, dicks. <laughs> <laughs> And everything that, like, even what you're doing as a platform, 
by demonstrating this right now. I mean, like, uh, obviously, that th- th- there may be um, individuals involved in this podcast that identify as queer. There are also maybe individuals that don't identify as queer. But the fact is that you are a podcast that is not exclusively queer, yet you are providing this as a platform to talk about matters. Like, that fucking counts. In the same way that there are many podcasts out there that are doing a very, very similar thing. It's talking about it, normalizing, not even normalizing it, but making it as something that is super acceptable and shouldn't have to be normalized because mm. it exists within this stratosphere that is completely like, like you're saying, where you don't have to talk about it. Ideally, in fact, you've already showed it. You spoke about one of the queer films that I spoke about, The Quiet Room, in a previous episode without even mentioning its queerness. Mm. That is exactly what queer horror should be. It's just, just, it's implicit, it's understood, and it's part of it. Ideally, in your zombie part three episode, (laughs) you could mention a zombie film that has queer actors and not single it out into a queer zombie episode. That's that's kind of, I think that's what we're all kind of talking about, is being that that's, that's somewhere that we're aiming to and we're getting to. Maybe we should talk about another queer horror film mm-hmm. that maybe does this, maybe doesn't do this. We'll see. Uh, Mercer? So, the film I, I, like, I'm going to mention isn't a film that I would class as my favourite. Um, I was just you know experimenting with the genre, having a look at other things. Um, and I watched a film called Pitchfork, um, which is the... Basically, Pitchfork is from 2016. Um, it's directed by Glenn Douglas Packard. Um, kind of, the, the story basically is a boy is going home to see his family after recently coming out. And um, he's taking his friends with him as kind of like a bit more support because he's not seen or spoke to um, his father specifically since he, he told him over the phone that he was gay. Um, the story doesn't really centre around that because it's just some weird man in a dog mask um, and a pitchfork hand killing people. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a really weird film. What is good about it, um, or what I do enjoy is, yes, uh, it's a bunch of friends who are, like, you know, there to show support and accept because, you know, it's fine to be gay mm. and they support their friend. Apart from one jock who's theory is don't be gay if you you know think it's going to make you unhappy um but the the key thing about this movie is they have a barn dance what (laughs) a synchronized barn dance oh my god probably what a almost maybe the second best dance routine to climax that i've ever seen i fucking loved it it's super gay super camp super happy super just like yeah clap bum out yeah <laughs> loved it oh my god the film itself is a little bit um well it's weird because this killer how he gets from a to b is mm. unbelievable impossible in fact um, and it also takes this weird twist where this killer's actually um a pet for his parents um, and a sex toy, I believe, for his mother. What? <laughs> Who are absolutely crazy. And it has the weirdest uh, rendition of 
the whole world in his hand that I've ever heard in my life. I mean, that song's pretty weird anyway, let's not lie. It is um, fucking weird, yeah. But it's quite, it's got some really gruesome bits in it, some, it's got some gore in it. Um, it's got an American girl speaking to a British accent because it works for Madonna. Um, <laughs> In it. <laughs> Which, that, that is queer content. That is queer brilliance. <laughs> <laughs> like, literally, like, the UK's one of the girls is like, coming from the Jersey girl, speaks weird British accent, she's like, well, where's the Madonna? Like, okay. I thought you were actually British. Um, but it's an interesting film. And I think, again, like you said, the, the actual idea of that is it starts off with this I've come out, I'm gay, I've got to deal with this. And that quickly be disappears, and it, it's not an issue anymore. But then again, his parents have been killed. So, what's really interesting about this book as well is it was so Glenn, the director, as far as I can tell, as far as I've seen online, is quite outspoken as a gay male. Mm-hmm. Super cool, wonderful, great. Queer filmmakers getting to make queer content. Um, my problem with Pitchfork is that I think it doesn't have a great representation of the gay experience. But before I get there, um, what we've been saying is that we don't want to review these films as a representation. We just want to review these films as them being films. Um, as a dumb slasher film, it's pretty fun. It is. Uh, it's it's. It's pretty good. Um, I like that he's got a different mask. I think the mask is pretty cool. Um, I think there are maybe some issues, uh, like I mentioned before, with uh, one of our short films over that conflation of gay people and bestiality. And the serial killer wearing like a dog mask might be indicative of that, but Mm. I'm not going to go down there because I think tangential at best. but what we get here is a dumb slasher film with some fairly okay kills. A lot of CGI blood. Yeah. I really, I hate really CGI blood. I really, really, really don't like CGI blood. Um, but it's basically, Mercer, correct me if I'm wrong, it's an eight slasher film, right? Yeah, it's a slasher film. And I just don't think that what you get is a decent portrayal of what it is. Basically, he comes out of his parents, his parents starts. Hang on, sorry, right. There's a barn dance. That's a decent portrait. <laughs> when have you ever been to a barn dance? Um, every weekend pre-lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> and five, six, seven, eight, my boots scooting, baby, it's driving me crazy. Oh my so god, we... you didn't even get the tune right. Honestly. No, your that. steps. I thought it fell flat. Because, like, like, like I previously said, the the lead character doesn't get an actually redemptive arc. And what I know about this film is that one of the shots that didn't make it into the final cut for some reason was that the character the, the character of Pitchfork was an ex lover of Hunter, and they didn't put that into the final film, and it it wasn't a part of the storyline. I think that's a much more interesting story it gives something more to this film it gives more queer validity to the film than what we actually get and and you know what here's the position where i'm really really unsure of i am willing to say let's have let's open the gates let's have 
any queer representation in a horror film. That's better than fucking nothing. Because remember, what we came from was not only nothing, but a utter unwillingness and a legal obligation to not include it, right? Um, then, then we went through a phase of them being vilified or part of a joke. So now we're in this period where they're going to be included. Great. Therefore, I'm willing to open the gates to anything. And I am. But also, at the same time, I'm wanting to kind of push forward and have a morally appeasable display of queerness, I think. Um, be that a gay character that doesn't die because he's gay or mm. have his problems muted um, in favour of straight issues, which I do think happens in uh, Pitchfork more so than others. Um so, I, I, yeah, I, I think maybe I'm a little bit biased to the contrary of this issue matter. But we have here is a schlocky, silly slasher movie. Yeah. I'll tell you who, who does do a gay portrayal quite well, which, again, I didn't really pick up, upon, uh, up on until I'd seen the film. People pointed it out. I went, oh, my God, of course. Was um Bill Hader's character in It too? Incredible. With so um, good. So good. yeah, just I'm sorry, I forgot the names. Is Eddie and Richie? Eddie and Richie. Richie. Yeah. yeah, Eddie and Richie. And yes. I had always been in love with them and had to watch him die, bless him. And that, yeah, I I didn't pick up on it at the time, but you look back on it and go, that's all his. He was in love with him. Oh. I mean, not to turn this into the um, Stephen King's It podcast episode, <laughs> which I think. I think we could very, I mean, I could very easily do, because I love all... Mini-series I could, mini-series, but not so much the new one. Original novel, mini-series, and both adaptations. Yeah. um, I very easily could, because I love all of them. Um, I genuinely adore that they added that into the new new film. Mm. Um, A lot of people have said that it is seeded, in Stephen King's novel, I mean, I don't, I, I don't think it is, and I think anyone that appears to posit that is reaching. Mm. Um, Stephen King certainly not in the late eighties and early nineties ever uh, aligned himself to be a queer ally. So, I mean, it would be very, very odd to have those readings put in there. But, irregardless, the fact it is put in this film, um, it's not queer baiting, which a lot of people have said it is. It's mm. put in there, um, purely for those social justice warriors. No, it's not. It's put in there because it naturally benefits the story, and it advances the emotional relevance of those characters. Um, and having Richie having this this kind of pathos-filled ending um, is, 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 is really, really magical, and it's, it, it genuinely floored me when I first saw the film. Mm. But Interestingly enough, I've spoke to another person about this, um, who I won't mention right here, um, but is respected within the horror community, respected within the within the, the British podcast horror community, mm. um, who I spoke to immediately after watching the film, and um, he asked me, um, as a cis straight male, um, what was that weird stuff with Richie? I didn't really get it. What what were they doing with that? And I said, well, because he was meant to be gay. And in love with Eddie. And he didn't see that at all. Oh. I saw it after. At the time when I was watching, I didn't, but... That's, but that's interesting, because, I, I mean, like, I mean, again, as a gay male, 
I thought it was almost beating you over the head with it. And oh. I almost kind of went like, all right, okay. I think one of, one of the, the fascinating things about a lot of what we now identify as queer horror are titles that we retrospectively label mm. as queer, even though at the moment, or, or sorry, at the time that they were released, and even now from many of the filmmakers, they say, um, that's not queer. It wasn't a queer horror, it was just a horror film. Um, big one for me being The Lost Boys. Mm. I mean, I, I mean, it's, it's not an exclusively queer horror film, outside of the fact um, uh, that Joel Schumacher, God bless his soul, um, God, God, God rest his soul, um, was an out and proud queer filmmaker. The Lost Boys is not a gay horror film. But it is gay representative. It's. In, in, I mean, that that was my childhood crush right mm. there. When I was younger, <laughs> my crush was actually what I would consider now to be a gay crush. Um, Who was in it? Jerry Dandridge in Fright Night. Oh, yeah. At, at the time, it, it was just Jerry Dandridge, you know hot vampire and now it's clearly hot gay vampire <laughs> I, didn't, very, I didn't see it very 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 clearly a gay vampire mm. <laughs> i think it's more awareness as well because like i said that there are a lot of things i watched when i was younger that i wouldn't have considered to be a gay character or to be in a gay relationship and just recently <laughs> when we were talking about a slasher episode i saw it with um Stu and billy just how much they were, oh. it felt to me like they were clearly into each other. And again, something I never picked up on. But I think it's so, more of an aware awareness now. And you see it and you go, oh, actually, yeah, that's, yeah. It's, it's the people who are, who are, you know, strictly going, no, it isn't. That's, mm, it is. Yeah. Yeah. So Stu and Billy was, uh, it is genuinely a kind of new one for me, like of the last two years. Um, Obviously, I've watched Scream for the last, like, kind of 10 to 15 years of my life mm. and absolutely adored it and always had a crush on Billy Loomis because, I'm sorry, he's fucking fit in that film. <laughs> his curtains, his, his over-wet, constantly over-wet hair is, 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 is very, very nice for me personally. Um, but without divulging any more into that, <laughs> It was only recently, and every time I've read queer content on that, I've gone, well, I think that's your wishful thinking. But the more I look into it, the more I go, well, is it? Not only not it only not? that, not only the way they act around each other, think about the choices they're making in that film. He, They're both willing to bump off their girlfriends. They don't give a shit. He's out to kill Sidney, they kill Tatum, they don't care. Which is, which is a hallmark of queer coded content. Going back to the Lost Boys, Sam, the, the younger brother in that film, is mm. constantly saying to Michael, stop looking at girls. Look at this bare-chested saxophonist on stage. Isn't he great? No, look at these comic books. Aren't yeah. they great? He's doing everything he can to distract away from overt female sexuality. Mm. Um, at no point in the film does he say gay, but and exactly the same with Stu. You don't have to, though, do you? I mean, yeah, you don't have to. I mean, I mean, Stu and Billy are very problematic, obviously, because they they are serial killers. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they're they they look good while doing it, and if that's <laughs> not there, then I don't know what it is. Um, but there, there there are so many films out there that you can kind of overlay this this queer subscription onto, um, and I think that there's always going to be this validity 
to doing it and mm-hmm. I can't wait to see because inevitably we there will be a middle ground I like to think that in in kind of the the history of queer horror we're now at this point of not only over identification so where there are being these films made that are like like what keeps you alive mm. uh, that are overtly this is a queer horror film these these are queer characters in a horror film that that is pretty much as boiled down to it as you or, or films like knife plus heart mm. where it's queer characters in a horror film that is dealing with queer issues both of these things are exactly what we Mm. I say we as a presumed collective of, of queer filmmakers that also like horror. Um, that's what we want. And, and I mean, naturally, what we're going to have as the next point of evolution are people going, well, actually, that's not queer or that's problematically queer. I do apologise, time is pushing on. So just to wrap things up, um, do we have any suggestions without going too into them about any other movies that we think people should be seeking out i mean for me some of the ones that i always want people to check out um are rift so rift is this icelandic ghost story um directed by erlinger thomason and i've absolutely butchered that name but i've not got it on my <laughs> screen so sorry. we'll be butchering I've names been... all night don't worry about it he is wonderful um dear dear friend of mine and his film is even better um it's a genuinely uh, exactly what we were saying about it being this uh, horror film that just so happens to have queer characters Mm. within it um rift is a ghost story it's a relationship based ghost story um that has a a a genuinely unsettling and fucking terrifying shot in it that i think is up there with paranormal activity and lake mungo um have you guys seen rift no no okay um do check it out i'd be really interested to see what you think um it's a slow burn film um it's it's very emotionally and character driven um but like i said it also when it when it comes fucking down to it it brings the horror really really well um you 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 probably had chris at ghost story with that because Anything ghost story Chris will be on board with. I mean, and, and just to bring Chris more on board, I would say that this film is very much along the lines of we go on and they look like people. Oh, oh I'm, completely, I'm completely on. Completely <laughs> on board. So, bitch. I mean, my next recommendation would be, and I, and I think we'd all be in, in agreement here, with uh, Knife Plus Heart, Jan Gonzalez's Neo yes. Um Super fucking gay. I mean... When I say super fucking gay, it opens with a kill where a dildo is revealed to be a switchblade. That's fucking gay. Um, Neo Jallo gay slasher film. It's really, really fab. Focused on the porn industry in, I think, Germany. I think Germany. Um, Yeah, that one's great. Mm. I'll I'll, I'll turn it around if anyone else wants. I've got loads of. Chris, do you have a name? no, we've already mentioned it. I'd say Spiral, Spiral, as I say, definitely need to go and check out if you haven't seen it. Mm. Loved it. Merce? I can't even think of any. That's fine. Um, we'll, we'll come back to you in two seconds. I'm just going to talk about lesbian vampire films, which I think are really, really great. And once again, like I say, this is me as a gay male saying they're really great, and I'm welcome to someone stripping me down and 
telling me if they're not a good representation of um, that culture that, that, that you belong to. But um, 2010's We Are The Night, Fabulous. Uh, which is a German vampire film, which I think is fucking incredible, um, just as being this kick-ass vampire film where it's this troop of female vampires that are getting their own back against the two greedy males in society. Um, I, I think this is a wonderful um, depiction of, of, of kind of female empowerment. There's no, I don't think anyway, there's any fetishization here. Um, and it's, it's, it's just a great vampire film uh, that's not talked about enough. It's, it's really, really weirdly not talked about enough. More recent than that, though, is Bit um, by Brad Michael Elmore, which I know you guys haven't seen. Mm. Um, it is available. I've literally just Googled it. Um, it's now available in the UK on YouTube and iTunes. This was a film that I thought, I mean, demonstrating, not even demonstrating, just exhibiting uh, queer content is the biggest uh, focus for me in programming the festival. Um it's one of the reasons why I came on board. It's why I wanted to put this film festival together. And it's one of the most proud factors I have every single year, including this past month in, in uh, exhibiting uh, content makers mm. films. Um, Bits was one of the films that we couldn't sadly play in 2019, even though I fought really fucking hard for it. Um, but it's now available to everyone. And I'd like to think that my immense uh, battle for it would be a testament to how much you should check it out. It is a uh, queer vampire film uh, directed by Brad Michael Elmore, um, in which a transgender girl kind of fights to survive after she falls in with four queer feminist vampires that want to take their revenge on male society. Okay. Um, and, and what I love about this is that obviously you have a, um, a trans female main character, which is fucking amazing for one. Um, and you also have this group of girls that are, are fighting against the patriarchy. But the, the trans female character is almost a, a kind of a, a, an olive branch between these two warring facets that we spoke about, like these these kind of fucking gammon straight characters that are like, I don't want queer characters because they want to take over horror. And you get these queer people that were like, well, we want to take, we own horror, we invented horror, so we want to take over it. And the kind of the lead character in bit is almost this um, avatar of the two, um, saying that kind of, well, but both sides are very wrong in their mm. own way, and we can have some middle ground. Uh, it's really, really great. I think that's quite a lot of content that we've given. John Moore. I think, for, for the sake of my <laughs> editing... I think we can call I think there's a shit ton of content, a shit ton of stuff talked about, mm. and a shit ton that we can share um, on social media. Um, and some stuff for us to look out for, which is fab. And because Chris hasn't said anything in a while, I I'm think... Not, I'm not dead. <laughs> He's not dead. Um, I think we should let Chris take us out of this episode. Thank you, Mitch, for joining us and 
spouting your wonderful knowledge on all things queer horror. We really appreciate you being part of we the do. show. Thank you. Thank you everyone for listening. Those of you who have made it this far, we apologise for the long episode again, but it's an important thing to talk about. So, you know, we'll talk about it for however long we want without being horrible to people there. That sounds like a lecture and being horrible to the audience there. Yeah. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for staying. It just, we'll put loads out on the social media. We've got a very special episode coming up after this one where I'm also now going to tell you what our next horror subgenre is. Mm-hmm. We are going monsterish. We are going all things creature feature. Whoop. So yeah, again, thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye. 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 To keep up to date with everything we're doing, or if you want to contact us at all, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook and Letterbox by searching for I Spit on Your Grids, Twitter by searching for the handle at SpitGrids, or you can email us on electricpossums at gmail.com.